It's Friday, November 30th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. All over the Commonwealth, state and federal agencies, as well as organizations, large and small, are working to restore healthy forest lands. Some of these initiatives are focused on water quality. Others aim to protect wildlife habitat. Some efforts build on previous abandoned mine reclamation work, while still others are all about cleaning the air or creating and enhancing natural carbon sinks to absorb greenhouse gases. In fact, there are just about as many reasons to plant trees as there are organizations doing it. The common denominator is that we're all striving for healthy and productive forest systems. So while everyone's, you know, coming at it from a different angle, I do believe we all want the same things. In the past, reforestation projects in Pennsylvania have been carried out somewhat piecemeal. A few acres here, a few there. Not a lot of active coordination among the parties involved. But that's beginning to change. On this episode, we'll learn about a recent gathering that planted the seeds for what may become a statewide reforestation partnership. That's coming up. Every year, people from all over the Commonwealth vote online to select the Pennsylvania River of the Year. PEC's affiliate group, the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, also known as POWER, administers the River of the Year program in partnership with the State Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. This is an opportunity to display some hometown pride as voters from different regions rally around their favorite local waterways. But of course, there is more than just bragging rights on the line. This designation also comes with a $10,000 leadership grant awarded to the winner's nominating organization. Those dollars fund a year-long slate of programming and events to promote the winning river or creek as a venue for outdoor recreation and also to raise awareness about the role that it plays in the ecology of the surrounding area. Well, as of this week, voting is now open for 2019 River of the Year honors. That means the reign of 2018's winner, Loyal Sock Creek in northeastern Pennsylvania, will soon come to an end. We wanted to mark the occasion with a look back at this year's activities on the Loyal Sock. Unfortunately, the creek was not available for an interview, but in its place we have Carol Parenzen of Middle Susquehanna Riverkeeper, who sponsored its nomination. Carol, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Hello, Josh. Thank you. So this program has been running for, I think, about 35 years. And I was just going over the list of the, of the winners over the years, and I see that it looks like this is the first time the Loyal Sock uh, ha- has won. So congratulations, first of all. Tell me about Loyal Sock. What's special about this particular waterway? What was your pitch to voters around this time last year? That's a great question, Josh. Uh, the Loyal Sock has a special place in many people's hearts. We call it Loyal Sock Love. And for me personally, I I first fell in love with this beautiful 64-mile-long creek when I was 13 years old. And to date myself, that would have been 1973. Uh, I did my first unexpected cold water swim in the Loyal Sock on a cold April day. And uh, I managed to wrap my aluminum canoe around a rock and had to rescue it and then about 20 of us who were paddling that day stood on the shores of the Loyal Sock, chewed bubble gum, patched up my aluminum canoe, and sent me back on my way downstream. And since then, when I'm feeling a little stressed, uh, a little overwhelmed, uh, I head to the Loyal Sock. And I sit along her banks, and I listen to her music, and I watch the water flow by, and I watch the eagles fly above 
and it reminds me why I do what I do. And I think that's true for the people that live along the Loyal Sock full-time, the people that have camps that come and go throughout the year, the paddlers that arrive when the waters are high, the anglers that come to fish for the wonderful native trout. It has so many wonderful memories for people. And that's what we wanted to capture with our nomination for River of the Year. So you were awarded uh, River of the Year for 2018, uh, and I talked a bit about what comes along with that. Can you describe how you've spent the last year, uh, how, how you spent the money that came with the award? Well, the money went towards organizing over 20 events and activities. And we took a little bit of a different spin this year than some of the previous um, award winners have done. Traditionally, the focus of River of the Year is on the paddle or the sojourn and a few other complementary activities, maybe a river cleanup, maybe an education program or two. And we wanted to go beyond that. We wanted to go beyond the recreational aspect of the Loyal Sock Creek. We wanted to have multiple touch points. We wanted people from all walks of life to be able to connect to this beautiful creek and not only connect to the Loyal Sock, but connect to their home watershed as well. So our goal was to come up with a slate of activities that hit on art and education and history, uh, recreation, economic development, agriculture, many, many different touch points, many different uh, connecting points to the watershed. So the $10,000 for us was used to manage all of this, uh, to bring thousands and thousands of people to the creek and to um, allow people to find that, that joy, that passion, whatever it is that drew them to that creek to allow that caring for not only the Loyal Sock Creek, but for their home watersheds or any waterway in Pennsylvania to have that connection with that. And you mentioned the the sojourn, which, as you said, has traditionally been maybe the flagship or the, the focal event for this program. Tell me about the sojourn on the Loyal Sock this year. How did it go? Any special memories to relate? Well, definitely a special memory because we weren't able to have it on the Loyal Sock Creek. Um, Believe it or not, uh, even with four high water events on the Loyal Sox this uh, summer and fall, the planned date for the the sojourn had us at low water levels, Hmm. Uh, low enough that it was going to be dangerous to try to get 80 paddlers and their kayaks down the creek in a safe fashion. So with 48 hours out to the beginning of the sojourn, we moved it. Fortunately, we had a little foresight. And although the paddle was in June, back in March, we had some secondary plans in place and had a permit in hand to go up to Rose Valley Lake, which is also in the Loyal Sock Creek watershed. So we were still paddling in the watershed, but not directly on the creek. It was still an absolutely fabulous event. We had 80 boaters out on the water celebrating the watershed, paddling, environmental education, And it was also a very, very special day because we said goodbye to uh, a long-term Sojourn supporter. Uh, Canoe Susquehanna was our outfitter for the day. And the 2018 River of the Year paddle was also their farewell paddle to the community. They retired the next day. So it was wonderful to have them out there to paddle with us. We had people from six states come in to be part of that final farewell paddle. It was um, a very emotional day. It was uh, a day of joy, and it was also a little bit 
uh, you know, there's a little bit of sadness there, too, saying goodbye to Alan and Betsy Quant and their son, Jeremy. Um, I know our paths will continue to cross, but we'll no longer be crossing paddles with them on the water. So obviously this is about this is a celebration of the Loyal Sock and, and also a, a way of promoting its use. But the other component of this, can we talk about the uh, the sort of consciousness raising or the educational aspect? For people who are maybe outside of your part of the state or who, for whatever reason, couldn't or didn't participate in you know the events that you planned for this year, what should Pennsylvanians know about this particular waterway? What challenges does it face? Yeah, so the Loyal Sock Creek watershed is really a micro um, ecosystem of the state of Pennsylvania. 64 miles in length, but the headwaters have been impacted by coal mining activity. We have some acid mine drainage. We have some legacy coal mining issues in the headwaters. Uh, of course, it's an area where it's in the, the, the heart of Loyal Sock State Forest, so the heart of Penn's Woods. We have managed to, to log that substantially, and now we're seeing secondary growth coming back. So we've had some issues, you know, with some legacy logging. It's also an area where Marcellus Shale lies underneath. So we've had multiple natural gas extractions, pipelines that Chris and Cross. <clears throat> and in the last two years, we've had two um, disasters on the creek that resulted from man's activities. The first being back in October of 2016 during a high water extreme weather storm event where about eight, nine, ten inches of rain uh, was dumped locally over a very short period of time. We had a gasoline pipeline rupture. The pipeline dated back to 1937. It had been exposed in 2011, uh, covered again and, and repaired in place, and then in 2016, this, the storm event pulled that pipeline right out of the, the side and bottom of the creek, rupturing it, and a reported 55,000 gallons of gasoline was released into this pristine creek and waterway. So that happened in 2016. And then in 2017, there was a, an accident at one of the well pads adjacent to an unnamed tribu tributary of the Loyal Sock where some frack water um, flowed off the well pad, over the embankment, and down into the creek. So it's, it's a good symbol of what we look at throughout the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania is the power state. It's the natural resource state. It's the logging, the coal, the natural gas. And what we saw happen in the Loyal Sock Creek over the last two, three, five, ten years is really a good, intense look at what can happen statewide. So we used it really as an educational arm, too. Of course, we want to talk about recreation and the boaters, and that's always a big part of River of the Year. But it was an opportunity to talk about those things that aren't so nice to talk about sometimes mm -hmm. and things that we need we need to address and, and think about. Well, as we record this, it's late November, so your year in the limelight is, is just about up. What's next for Middle Susquehanna Riverkeeper Association? What other sorts of things are you working on anticipating for the next year? Well, the first thing we're going to do is rest. <laughs> we have a, our final River of the Year report to work on. And with 20 events, it's going to be a little lengthy and detailed. Uh, so we're working on that now to wrap that up before the end of the year. But we have great plans for 2019. And we're extremely excited to, to take our relatively new organization to the next level. 
we're looking to put a boat on the river in 2019 and start doing some active patrols and investigation work. And we're actually targeting Lycoming County, which is part of what, where the Loyal Sock Creek flows as that pilot project. We're looking to go back into the prisons. We've had an active prison watershed stewardship program, and we're, we're excited about getting back into the prisons. We're working with numerous colleges and universities on a wide variety of environmental projects, uh, from freshwater mussels to uh, what we're calling the poop to power program, which is taking dog waste and putting it into a biogas digester system and creating energy. And so that's part of the DCNR Think Outside program. And we're also ready to launch our little tool in the toolbox called Susquehanna. He is a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever that has been working for the last two years to be trained to sniff out raw sewage. So Sussy and I will be a consulting team out there looking for sewage leaks, whether it's illegal connections, unknown connections into our stormwater system, failing septic systems, places where we're just not even aware that raw sewage is finding its way into our pristine watersheds. We just opened the voting for 2019 and the, the four finalists were announced. Do you have a favorite? Who are you rooting for for next year's River of the Year? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot, Josh. I did take a look and I, I did notice that one of them is close to my jurisdictional area. So I would have to put my support towards the Lackawanna River. I know that they were in the running in the past and I, I truly support the, the work that the Lackawanna River Association does. So my vote will be for the Lackawanna this year. Carol Perenzen, Executive Director of the Middle Susquehanna Riverkeeper Association, joins us on behalf of your outgoing Pennsylvania River of the Year 2018, Loyal Sock Creek. Carol, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Josh. It was an honor to be with you. Earlier this month, about a dozen nonprofit groups and government agencies huddled up in a meeting room in State College. They were gathered there to compare notes on their respective reforestation efforts. The idea was to piece together a comprehensive picture of all the work being done in this area and also to maybe identify some opportunities for working more effectively together. PEC program manager Laura Bray organized that meeting. I caught up with her afterwards for a debrief. You have been working on reforestation uh, pretty much since you got here, about two years ago, if I recall. Yeah, that's correct. It's it's one of my more favorite program areas that I'm working in. What's the what's the sort of backstory of Peck's involvement in reforestation? This is, is kind of a new push we're making right now. How did we get to this point, and where did you get involved? Yeah, that's right. It started with, um, well, I guess it formed because we, we have a great working relationship with DCNR, and, you know, DCNR owns quite a bit of forest land. And I think it was Peck that caught wind of a regional initiative, the Appalachian Regional Reforestation Initiative. That's a program of the Office of Surface Mining Reclamation Enforcement. This is an initiative that spans multiple states in the region. The goal is to restore native forest on former mine lands. In Pennsylvania, we have a lot of degraded land, and many of those sites are within state forests. So the idea came uh, came to be that we could work with partners at DCNR and uh, with technical assistance from the Appalachian Regional Reforestation Initiative, also known as ARI. We can 
you know, select some sites and put together a pilot project to restore those those legacy mine lands to forests. So that project started in 2016. And since then, we've carried the program to three different state forests. We're currently looking at doing some of these projects on private land. To date, we've completed 26 acres of reforestation, and we're looking to do more. So in, in classic PEC fashion, this is very much about partnership, DCNR and, and RE in this case. But uh, more recently, we're, I think, kind of widening the focus and trying to get a better sense of what's happening in other parts of the state. Could you tell me a little bit more about the meeting that you just came from and, uh, and what was what was the sort of impetus for it? What were you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, sure. So we're in our fourth year of reforestation. Like I said, most of those projects have existed on uh, state forest land and working with partners at DCNR, also folks at DEP and some others. We caught wind of a few different initiatives that are existing in the state and in the region. And we kind of thought to ourselves, I, you know, I wonder if if these folks are talking to one another. You know, at PEC, we weren't necessarily uh, communicating with them regularly or really quite sure of, of what they were working on. So we thought, you know, it would be valuable to all those involved in reforestation efforts to come together for a one-day working meeting. We very much didn't want it to be a conference because we wanted folks to talk to one another. And the whole idea was was really just to see uh, what everyone was up to, the reasoning for wanting to restore native forests, Various partners have, you know, different missions in mind, and we wanted to pull everyone together and just get a better sense, uh, lay of the land, what everyone was up to. Then also, more importantly, look for areas where we could be working better together, collaborating, or at the very least, communicating and coordinating efforts to further reforestation in the state. And I should mention that you wrote this great report on this event and posted it on the PEC blog, and people should check that out. In that post, you have this great quote from Scott Egerud, who's one of our partners, I believe, at Osmery. Something to the effect of the, the best partnerships are, are partnerships where everybody wants the same thing, but for different reasons. And you kind of alluded to that theme a moment ago. So obviously, PEC is involved, I think, because of our involvement in watershed restoration of former mine lands and AMD. That work is pre-existing and pretty well established. What are, what are some of the other reasons that people brought to the table? We had some folks represent Trout Unlimited. They're looking to restore uh, forested buffers for the native brook trout. We had a representative from American Bird Conservancy. Uh, They do a lot of work with with many different species. There's opportunity to restore young forest habitat for golden-winged warblers, and different species of concern are associated with different age class, forest age class. We had some folks from DEP who were most interested in the water quality aspects of it. Along those lines, Susquehanna River Basin Commission, they do a lot with water quality in the Chesapeake Bay. That's kind of where our interest initially lied, was doing reforestation uh, as it relates to water quality in the bay. So the Susquehanna River Basin Commission, they do a lot with water treatment systems, and they're looking at ways where reforestation can further benefit water quality in these degraded landscapes. So really, a lot of different interests. I think the common denominator is that we're all striving for healthy and productive forest systems, and, and more so 
high functioning ecosystems. Mm-hmm. So while everyone's you know coming at it from a different angle, I do believe we all want the same things. So it's nice to have the diversity of partnerships to really ensure that the efforts that we are doing you know, are touching on all these aspects, whether it's water quality or um, wildlife, erosion, sediment control, et cetera. And it's all, you know, conservation through cooperation, as we like to say. It was surprising to me to learn that, not surprising that uh, great work is being done in reforestation by various uh, parties in various locations. What surprised me was that nobody's ever sat all these people down together in the same room, which is something we love to do at PEC. We're having another statewide watershed conference, if I can digress for a moment, coming up next spring. And this is for the purpose of convening local watershed organizations, which are numerous and prolific across Pennsylvania, but generally pretty small and isolated. And prior to PEC launching this uh, statewide watersheds conference a couple years ago, there was no sort of apparatus for forming those networks and creating those channels of communications between others. So I mean, it seems to me like this is a, a similar thing, at least in terms of the goal. A little different maybe in that here you're dealing with not just sort of grassroots and municipal level kind of folks, but you're dealing with the state. You're dealing with more than one federal agency. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of getting all of those people on the same page and What's different about that arrangement? Yeah, it was it was exciting to have everyone in one room dealing with a lot of different state agencies. For instance, GCNR and DEP, their work overlaps in, in so many different ways, and I'm sure that they do communicate regularly. But these different state agencies, I get the sense that to some degree they kind of stay in their lane and they do their work that fits their mission. And when you're looking at, you know, something like the environment, there is, of course, so, so many areas uh, that overlap. Um, So I think working for a nonprofit gives us the opportunity to convene these different state agencies, federal agencies as well, and other NGOs, and to act kind of as the glue to to bring these people together. Uh, There's restrictions, you know, related to travel budgets and such and, and capacity, you know, to kind of step outside of your lane. But there's a lot of value in it. And I think that's a great role for nonprofits to play. Obviously, there are these sort of institutional and logistical reasons why it it might be difficult to coordinate amongst different groups like that, absent something like what you've put together and that we're hoping to pursue uh, going forward. What are the opportunities that came out of this discussion? Where did you see places where you maybe could work together and get something done that nobody had really thought about before? In broad terms, the group identified a need for enhanced communication, resource sharing, the need for for these conversations to continue mm-hmm. beyond, you know, a one-day meeting. More focused discussions surrounded items like permitting. There's some different areas where multi-agency collaboration could really prove beneficial to, to make some of these projects easier and uh, more sound when it comes to, like, on-the-ground implementation and potential hurdles that could slow down productivity. So beyond permitting and other kind of policy regulation pieces, there was a real need for some coordinated mapping to occur. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different agencies have different databases and mapping platforms that they use during planning phase for these projects, but there's not really a universal map in place that could prove useful for planning and implementation of different projects. Specifically, there's a lot of 
data sets surrounding abandoned mine land features in the state. There's kind of a subset to abandoned mine lands, uh, what we call legacy sites. Mm -hmm. These are sites that have been reclaimed, sometimes to the degree of the law. So they've been reclaimed to to grasslands where, you know, you're seeing a lot of compaction of the soil and little to no forest established. So these legacy mine lands aren't a hazard Mm -hmm. to public health like abandoned mine lands are, but they're not by any means productive forests. So these legacy sites, there's no existing database where they lie in the state. And that was kind of an initial low-hanging fruit that we wanted to to start putting our heads together and develop um, an inventory and associated mapping for these legacy sites. And it would be something that would be active and accessible to anyone who's interested in restoring these sites. One thing I think is really cool about Peck's reforestation work is that you're not just doing this kind of high-level administrative convening and uh, forging of partnerships, et cetera, just sort of our bread and butter, but you're also walking the walk. You're literally planning and staffing and executing reforestation events, tree planting events. And uh, I don't know if we can change it up a little bit and talk about our Earth Day events, which I know you're kind of kicking back into gear and getting those ready for next spring. Yeah, we're excited uh, to continue our reforestation work. We will be returning to Weiser State Forest for an Earth Day planting. That will be taking place on April 20th. We're doing two acres there and inviting volunteers to come out. Um, We've been doing work in Weiser State Forest for three years now, and it's been great. All of these sites are very near one another, and it's been really fun to go back and to to see the progress uh, throughout the years. uh, also, to have a lot of the same volunteers come back year after year. A lot of people are excited about helping us restore the native forest, and it, it should be great fun. There's also an additional tree planting taking place in Michannon State Forest. That one uh, is occurring on May 4th. We're looking to restore five acres, and it's in a more rural location, and we don't have an established group of volunteers. So we're going to be working hard to get some folks out there to help us with that site. That project's really exciting. We received some funding from the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, and the goal there is to restore young forest habitat for the golden wing warbler and identified species of concern. So while we're doing five acres with volunteers there, the project in total will be restoring about 40 acres. So that's a large project for us. We are looking at sites beyond state forest land too, so we might have some other opportunities for volunteerism at different points in the year. So uh, definitely keep your eyes open for details. We'll have a call for volunteers very shortly. And we'll mention that on the podcast. And of course, it'll all be on the PAC website at pacpa.org, which, by the way, is where you can find Laura Bray's uh, blog post about the recent reforestation statewide gathering. Laura, thank you so much. You're welcome. And that's all for this time on Pennsylvania Legacies. Don't forget to vote for Pennsylvania River of the Year 2019. The four finalists just announced a couple of days ago are the Clarion, Delaware, and Lackawanna Rivers. Also, the Conodequinet Creek. 
You can vote through January 4th at pariveroftheyear.org. We will post a link to uh, that website as well as uh, links to information on other topics discussed on this episode. On our website, it's at pacpa.org. All of our past episodes of Pennsylvania Legacies are available to stream from there. Or you can get us as a podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and any number of other uh, platforms via RSS. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at P-E-C-P-A. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Wallerson. Thanks for listening.